Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome. I'm Frankie Preslav. I'm Kevin Mosenzade. And I'm Justin Robertson. Tonight, our featured guest is Brian Rosenberg, the, the founder of Gays with Kids, the world's leading blog for gay dads. But first, let's check in with Justin's for this week's LGBTQ news. Hello, friends. Reporting off the wire from the Associated Press, LGBTQ rights stall in U.S. Le- legislatures. Only two of the 120 laws being tracked by LGBT activists this year remain under serious consideration, in part due to moderate GOP lawmakers and business leaders' fears of economic backlash. In a striking shift from recent years, major legislation curtailing LGBT rights has been completely stymied in state capitals around the country this year, amid anxiety by Republican leaders over igniting economic backlash if they are depicted as discriminatory. In the thick of this year's legislative sessions, LGBT activists were tracking about 120 proposed bills that they viewed as threats to their civil rights. Not one of them has been enacted. As many sessions now wind down, only two remain under serious consideration. A key factor in the shift in the Republican-led states where these types of bills surface, moderate GOP lawmakers and business leaders are increasingly wary of losing conventions, sporting events, and corporate headquarters. North Carolina, Indiana, and Arizona were among the states that faced similar backlash in recent years over such legislation. Being anti-equality is not considered good politics anymore, says legislative specialist Catherine Oakley of the Human Rights Campaign, a national LGBT rights organization. Just two years ago, it seemed that the state-level bills might proliferate. North Carolina passed a bill restricting transgender people's bathroom access, and Mississippi enacted a private and Mississippi enacted a sweeping law allowing state employees and private businesses to deny services to LGBT people based on religious objections. Seven states have passed laws allowing faith-based adoption agencies some degree of protection if they refuse to place children with same-sex couples. To the extent that the tide has turned, it's due partly to the fallout over the North Carolina bill in 2016. The NCAA and NBA pulled games from the state. There were projections before lawmakers rolled back the restrictions that the law would cost the state several billion dollars in lost business. The change in momentum at the state level comes at a time when conservatives have a strong ally in President Trump on the issue. 
His administration is seeking to exclude transgender people from military service and promoting exemptions that could enable businesses, healthcare providers, and others to refuse to accommodate LGBT people based on their religious beliefs. Later this year, perhaps in June, a potentially momentous ruling is expected from the U.S. Supreme Court on whether businesses that serve the public can cite religious objections to refuse service to LGBT people, even in states that protect them in its non-discrimination laws. The case involves a Colorado baker who did not want to make a cake for a same-sex couple's wedding. Some conservatives suggest legislative leaders are treading softly on these issues now for fear of provoking big corporations and pro sports leagues that support LGBT rights. According to Emily Kao, a religious freedom expert with the Conservative Heritage Foundation, the left is leveraging the cultural and economic power of big businesses like Amazon and Apple to force smaller businesses and nonprofits that hold traditional views on marriage to shut down. A lot of people feel that they're being bullied into silence and the big businesses are all on the side of this new sexual orthodoxy, Ms. Kao added. For social conservatives, it feels very much like David and Goliath. This year, certainly, conservatives have struggled to gain much traction at the state level on LGBT-related issues. Among the many bills that failed, a Tennessee measure that would have required the state to defend schools in court if they were sued for limiting transgender students' access to bathrooms. A South Dakota bill that would have required signs on some public restroom doors notifying users that a person of the opposite sex might be inside. A religious liberties bill in Georgia that would have given legal protection to faith-based adoption agencies that declined to place children with, with same-sex couples. An ever-growing number of states, at least a dozen, have passed bills banning the practice of gay conversion therapy on minors, and voters in Anchorage, Alaska, rejected a ballot measure that would have restricted transgender people's access to public bathrooms. The two remaining bills being tracked by LGBT groups, one in Kansas and one in Oklahoma, are similar to Georgia's adoption bill. Supporters say they are needed to ensure that faith-based agencies, which oppose same-sex marriage, can still help accommodate the rising number of children entering foster care due to the opioid crisis. Without the bills, K.O. says faith-based agencies face potential lawsuits by LGBT rights groups because according to K.O., they follow their beliefs that every child deserves both a mother and a father. The changing dynamics across the United States reflects the growing political clout of LGBT groups. Mega-donor Tim Gill has become one of the nation's leading philanthropists for LGBT causes, spending tens of millions of dollars from his fortune accrued from founding a software company. One of his priorities now is to move beyond the easy states and build new alliances in Republican-controlled states that could pave the way for non-discrimination laws. His Denver-based foundation is helping bankroll a national campaign being launched this week by the Ad Council, which is known for iconic public service ad campaigns, including Smokey the Bear and Friends Don't Let Friends Drive Drunk. His campaign is called 
beyond I do. It makes the point that while same-sex marriage is now legal nationwide, LGBT people still face legal discrimination in a majority of states, including getting evicted, fired, or denied service. Only 19 states, mostly Democratic strongholds, offer comprehensive non-discrimination protections for gays, lesbians, and transgender people. The new ad campaign is projected to get at least $15 million in donated media support, including TV and radio time, and billboard space. Among the people featured in more than 20 stories and video spots are a Michigan couple who said a pediatrician refused to treat their newborn daughter because of objections to their same-sex marriage, and an Ohio woman who says she was fired as a teacher because she is a lesbian. Mr. Gill said, we have to make new and different friends. Ultimately, a federal solution is better, but it always comes after the states have demonstrated the need. Wow. Do you need a drink after that one? Yeah, I do. I, <laughs> <laughs> my mouth is fairly dry. There's a lot to is. unpack there. It is. That it is, is a lot. Um, so what, what are your, your thoughts going through? I mean, it's like, you know, I think the general public, they don't necessarily have an idea of, what I think really is, is going on. You know, I think it gets down to marriage and um, transgender. I mean, that's kind of what's in the media right now. But, you know, being fired from your job and, and things like that, that, that mm -hmm. legislation that, mm -hmm. you know, that we have a government that's looking to um, limit people's rights. And I guess there's an argument on both sides, right, uh, of that. So I guess before I get all over the place, which I'm good at, <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts uh, on this? Um, well, I'd like to circle back to the, the you mentioned the Colorado Bake Shop uh, Supreme Court case that's right. going on right now, the Masterpiece Cake Shop. Um, I've actually studied it a little bit, and, and one of the things that's interesting with this is that when I think about it, the first thing that comes to mind is kind of the civil rights movement. Um, and Martin Luther King, what he said during that time, which was injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And that's kind of, I think, the driving force behind this is that um, – is that yes, this, this cake shop is denying service to someone um, and, and that the reason people get so worked up about it and the, the reason that the, that the LGBT community has come out so strongly in support of the couple um, is because if it's happening somewhere like a cake shop, where does that expand to? Um, and, and in listening to the oral arguments um, for the Supreme Court case, which I have, um, that was something that the more liberal justices on the bench were saying was where does this uh, begin and where does it end? Uh, does it ever end? Um, and I think also uh, you kind of talked about it um, in your monologue there about the uh, states and their um, passing non-discrimination non bills. And that's super important um, for all of these legal battles because one of the things that I know this Supreme Court case is going to come down to is um, the fact that LGBT people are a protected class in Colorado. And therefore, if you're uh, a business owner entering into uh, opening up a shop, whatever it may be, um, that you're therefore have to serve everyone that is a protected class. And so I know that's one of the strongest points um, uh, for the LGBT couple in that case. Right. You know, it, it goes down to, I'm going to flip back to where does it stop? And I think that's where a lot of people is like, you know, if it's, it's my business, you know, I should have a right on who I want to serve. 
but it does it doesn't stop there <coughs> it goes to pharmacies the our pharmacists mm -hmm. if they don't agree with whatever medication that you're getting for whatever reason maybe someone's right. on prep um that they can refuse service if mm -hmm. a paramedic shows up at someone's house and they don't want to service <laughs> yeah. that individual so it's it's, it's a separate but equal thing right it's, it's the same type of are we setting that that uh, precedent with it with a case like this if it, if it goes the wrong way right right and the pediatrician in michigan who refused to treat the daughter of a lesbian couple mm -hmm. i mean that's just <laughs> i mean inhumane as far as i'm concerned right. i just don't think that you should treat a child that way no matter what your religious beliefs yeah are. and it's it's gross that we're having a discussion and we continue to have a discussion about people's health care and, and if someone has a right that you know uh, if somebody was you know laying on the floor a republican and i would <laughs> <laughs> i would give him or her cpr i mean it, it's, exactly. it, it sounds silly but, but no, i mean when it comes you down do to it it's like you don't yeah when you walk in and you're yeah. you're giving somebody a cup of coffee mm -hmm. or you know you're taking their money you're not giving it to them for free um you know i, I think that's you know the the you know wh where does it stop and where does it end when does this legislation you know it's it's so exhausting i mean mm -hmm. as a gay person it's you know it's it's never that you can just breathe yeah right. it's it's kind of funny i have a, a gay friend who's a conservative and one of the things that i i'll never forget uh him telling me is he said well we have gay marriage now so right. you know i i said i said <laughs> how do you you know, he's a Republican, and I said, and and I have nothing wrong with you know Republicans in general. Right, I like right. I have many friends that are conservatives, right. but one of the things I asked him was, "You're gay, and one of the things that they've historically done is gone after your community." And he said, "Well, gay marriage is legal now." And I said, and what I wanted to tell him, and I didn't, was talk to the African American community. They got the right to vote. You know, did that stop the attacks? No, mm -hmm. it just morphs it into something else, and you're constantly fighting the same battle. Uh, so I think that's that's a pretty interesting thing. Well, it shocks me to even know that you can be fired for being gay now. I mean, I, I just mm -hmm. sort of assumed, I think, that that wasn't an issue anymore. Well, so you never know. Right. When you live in a community, I mean, we're lucky we live in Bloomington, where, you know, if something like that should happen, you will have the wrath of everybody coming <laughs> down on you. But there's a lot of communities, and, you know, we're not the majority um, when it comes to cities our size yeah. especially within our location and businesses play such an important role in that and it's it's right. not by mistake that you see businesses people going after um and uh businesses and trying to get their support so that there's an economic leverage right. to it well pence figured that one out yeah when you know exactly tried to uh pass his discrimination laws <laughs> absolutely all right so don't touch that dial we're going to take a few minutes to enjoy some music from our featured artist this week blur
Welcome back to Blooming Out. You have been listening to Girls and Boys by Blur. <laughs> Kevin, uh, I understand a teacher in Burlington, Illinois, is in some hot water for receiving flowers from his husband? Yeah, Frankie. Actually, someone's in hot water, but it's not actually the teacher. Over 100 parents and students showed up in support of Nathan Etter, a gay teacher who was disciplined for getting flowers from his husband. Everyone deserves flowers from a loved one, no matter who they are or what the occasion. But unfortunately, not everyone agrees. When music teacher Nathan Etter of Burlington, Illinois, received flowers from his, from his husband on Valentine's Day, he was met with several oohs from his students. Etter used the moment to briefly teach his pupils about tolerance, reminding them that sometimes men marry men and women marry women. Sadly, not all of the parents were happy. A formal complaint was filed to the Kane County-based Central Unit School District 301, with some adults claiming they had serious concerns about what was being taught in the class. Etter was subsequently told to stick to the curriculum by the school principal. Now, Etter is demanding an apology, and thankfully, many people from the school and the community agree. On Monday, April 23rd, over 100 members of the community showed up for a rally for equality at the school board's meeting with signs that read, We respect Mr. Etter and respect for all. Etter even received a standing ovation. Etter's husband told NBC5 this would never have happened if Nathan had been sent flowers from his wife. School board president Jeff Kellenberger told the community that the school district had no further comments no further, no further concerns and considered the matter resolved. He also said that Etter's job was never in jeopardy. Discrimination, harassment, exclusion, or intimidation in any form have no place in our schools and are not tolerated in District 301. Kellenberger said, There is nothing to protest here. We are with you. Let's hope that this victory leads to the school district, parents, teachers, and students alike embracing more diversity and equality. Wow. So, uh, I don't know. The, the school kind of pushed it off as uh, it was uh, not a big deal. But, uh, you know, I think the parents probably had uh, a little more concerns about this being a bigger deal than what the school's letting on to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of said it before the show when we were talking about this, um, in that it's, it's kind of uh, shocking how the school district really just tried to downplay it um, as if it was, you know, nothing. Um, and and just talking about it and having an open conversation uh, with students um, about uh, homosexuality and being gay. I mean, that's where it all starts is when you get to get to know someone, whether it's a teacher or a friend or a family member, uh, in creating the equality that that the, our whole community wants to see. I think that's you know, and and what's I think what's happening with a lot of schools now is that you know you have the gun. Mm -hmm. you know issue and you have gay teachers which mm -hmm. have been around for millennium millenniums <laughs> um but not always out but not yeah. always out true yeah. but you know so you, you the what, what's happening is that you know the schools i remember when i went and i went to a perfectly liberal school that it was open for discussion when, when things came up it was a teachable it was a learnable moment it wasn't a point for parents to get offended you know, you you, mm -hmm. you you discuss, that's how you learn. And, and not everybody has to agree, it's how it's mm -hmm. presented. And of course, if a kid says, ew, that's offensive, but not, you know, um, making the child feel 
bad, yeah. you know, where you lose them then. Yeah. As you said, that's a teachable moment. It's a teachable moment. And I think this is what's wrong with America <laughs> 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 is that, it, that, that we are, everybody gets their feelings hurt so quickly and we don't give an opportunity for a discussion. Right. Uh, right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Discourse is right. very important. And, 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 you know, go. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> you're, you're on a roll. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do find it heartening, though, that, you know, 100 community members showed up for a rally for equality. Right. And that the teacher got a standing ovation. I mean, to me, that's a wonderful thing. That right. I don't really take for granted. Mm -hmm. Um given all the years I've lived with discrimination and seen mm -hmm. it. I, I really like seeing the the turn of the tides. Right. And it's not easy. It's it's a painful process. And yeah, and I don't know a lot about this community, if it's a liberal or conservative mm -hmm. or kind of middle of the road um, um, community that, you know, how, you know, there's been other issues or not that kind of brought it up to this. So I, I just think it's, you know, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think it was a, a much bigger issue than what it was let out to be. You know, they kind of downplayed as it goes through. Yeah. You mean the uh, school? The school, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that the parents I, – I, it kind of flips back to, you know, right now at our schools here, the, the gun issue is, is a big issue right mm -hmm. now. And just kind of – just to kind of piggyback on that, there's like a, a Facebook um, page that a, a group of parents opened that I was temporarily kicked off. You uh, were. Why? Because I'm Frankie Press Lab. Oh. <laughs> Bottom line. But I got back on. I, I, right. wrote a, 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 I didn't even say anything. They saw my name and ran. <laughs> but, um, but you know, they're, they're definitely on the other side. But, but my argument was to them was this is an opportunity, people, for us to have this conversation that everybody talks, no one listens. And when that happens – we have ugly mm -hmm. and if we don't start acting like adults and have those conversations on both sides you know we're not always going to agree um, but people get so offensive and they always what people look for is they want to be right so they look for their point that they can make you know so so uh, without listening to the other person's view mm -hmm. and a lot of times you know when we communicate and we we take a deep breath and we listen we have an opportunity to to learn be mm -hmm. a little more open and maybe maybe change our minds maybe not but at least have an understanding of where it's coming from and i think within this um, situation, you know, you got a lot of stuff going. You got religion, you got politics, you got, I mean, all kinds of ignorance. I mean, mm -hmm. and when you're, you, there's a lot to do here. But I think, for one, we ask the school a lot, you know, from, from you know, to babysit, to discipline. Um, but at the same time, I think we should ask the school to have these open dialogues. And it, it should be a safe place. And, and it just it infuriates me when parents get upset that their kid might learn that there's more colors than one, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I mean, if we can't have these discussions in schools, then where else are we supposed to have them? Uh, I mean, there's just, there's no better place to have them when you have a group of mm -hmm. diverse people that, you know, are chosen at least somewhat at random, you know, in a safe environment, a controlled environment with adults in the room. Right. I mean, it just seems like the perfect environment to to do exactly what he was trying right. to do there. Well, I think it's and it's awesome that you know. Hopefully, everybody had an opportunity to learn. Obviously, he's out now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He'll be getting flowers. Um, so you know, those are discussions, and a lot of these peep kids 
are not, um, you know, they don't know. I mean, within my family, I, you know, you know, people haven't met other, you know, kids that have a mom and a dad or a dad and a dad, and that's us. Mm -hmm. And when they get to meet me as a person first and then <coughs> learn out who I am later, then sometimes it's easier. And, and I usually go about yeah. it that way on, on that. If you want to. Um, oh, um, well, I was just going to say that, like, uh, you know, kind of the root of like prejudice is in a way ignorance. And I don't mean ignorance in the like, in a necessarily like terrible term, but I mean people not knowing people of a different race or gender or sexuality or that type of thing. And when we kind of live in a bubble, and once you expand that bubble, that's when you start to get more acceptance and, and open to new ideas. Um, and um, it's kind of interesting and it's slightly off topic, I guess, but one of the things that someone once asked me was, you know, why are college campuses, for example, tend classified as being more liberal? Um, and I said one of the points, one of the points that I've made to that was, well, when you come to a college campus, you're around so many different people and so many new ideas, and that you become more accepting of things that are outside. Well, of depending on what college you pay. Yes, correct, <laughs> exactly. But I mean, but, but so overall, many of them are like yes, that, right. um, in that it's not like it's not like anyone's here, you know riding donkeys around and saying you got to be a democrat <laughs> right, but right. uh it just kind of it some things just lean that way because of uh natural influences like being around people that are unlike you right and i remember being in school having a teacher married to an african-american and it being like back at the time that was a big deal that yeah was a giant deal. Mm -hmm. it was just what 67 was when it was finally legalized Legal. in yeah. the united states <laughs> and i was alive believe it or not yeah and um well. i was just being born <laughs> <You were. laughs> but i remember <laughs> thanks for aging yourself there oh i have no problem <laughs> I'm an old dude. Um, but, yeah, so it's just, you know, an opportunity. It's a teachable moment. It's awesome that the community came together. Thank God that the school yeah, system was able to um, kind of look at it for what it was, saw that they had yeah. a lot of support, and mm -hmm. showed up. And I hope someone talks to that s the superintendent and, and, you know, tells them why, why people thought it was a big deal and why it does matter. Right. Mm -hmm. Hopefully change his mind on that. Okay, blooming out friends, please don't touch that dial. While we take a break for a few minutes to enjoy some music from our featured artists this week, Blur, followed by our weekly events calendar.
this week in Bloomington, there is a show tonight at the Blockhouse at 205 South College Avenue featuring No Men, Wolf Son, Middle Children, and Hypertensions. Um, later on in this week, we have Arbor Day Tree Giveaway at Blooming Foods East. That's at 3220 East 3rd Street, Bloomington. I guess they're giving away trees. Um, and then Saturday, it is the BOGA Plant Swap at Bloomington Community Farmers Market, 401 North Morton Street, Bloomington. The Bloomington Organic Gardeners Association will host a free plant swap on Saturday, April 28th, from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the, Blooming Food, or the Bloomington Community Farmers Market. Bring plants and seeds to share and or swap. Native plants, tree saplings, and seeds are encouraged, but all non-invasive plants are welcome. All right, now back to Blooming Out. Welcome back. Our guest tonight is Brian Rosenberg. Brian is the founder of Gays with Kids, along with his husband, Fred. They launched Gays with Kids in March of 2017 with a focused mission to help gay men become dads and to help new gay dads navigate fatherhood. Along the way, Gays with Kids has grown to become the world's leading digital media company and social network for gay dads and dads-to-be. Brian is especially proud of the work they've done to inspire future dads and to help normalize gay dad families for the rest of the world. Hello, Brian. Are you on the line? I sure am. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is Frankie. This is Justin. Hi, Brian. This is Kevin. Hi, nice to meet you all. Well, I'm Frank I know, but nice to meet everyone else. Yes. So, um, so Brian, you're, you're where? You're in New York, right? I actually moved uh, last summer to Boston. Okay, I totally got it wrong. So there you are in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> got the right, the right coast. <laughs> yeah, the right coast, the right guy. Talk my car and have a job. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So um, thank you, thank you for taking the time and, and, and being with us tonight. I really appreciate that. Uh, those that uh, don't know who you are, gays with kids, um, you know, I, we could just kind of start out with maybe telling you, telling us a little bit about uh, uh, gays with kids and, and maybe kind of how it started and uh, where we are today. Sure, I'd be happy to. And thanks again, uh, delighted to, to participate here and, and to be here with you guys. So, uh, Gays with Kids, m my husband and I launched March of 2014. Um, I launched it several years after becoming a dad for the first time to our eldest son, Levi, who's about to turn nine. Um, Levi came to us through adoption, and uh, one of the first things we noticed um, about uh, when we became dads with Levi, we were living in Manhattan at the time, is just how the parenting community and industry really considered moms to be basically the sole caretaker. You know, we got just two days advance notice. Um, we found out Levi was born um, two days after he was born, and then we basically picked him up from the hospital two days later. And in between that, we went out shopping because we had nothing and knew nothing. And I remember going to a couple of big retail shops and looking around, like half the stuff had labels on them that said things like, mummy tested, mummy approved, <laughs> made with love for baby by moms, um, and et cetera, et cetera. And I remember at one point 
just half jokingly looking over to my now husband, Ferd, saying, you know, are we not supposed to buy this stuff? <laughs> and so the second thing that I noticed is, and I had come out, you know, 20 years before I was a dad, and I came out in a big way when I finally did, um, but here I was having to come out again and again, all over again. So the first time we go to the pediatrician, you know, coming out, when we bring anybody to daycare, coming out, when we meet parents of other kids in daycare and preschool, et cetera, coming out. Um, and I realized that while as dads we were facing any and all of the challenges and issues and uh, that any parents face, we had sort of a unique set of challenges and issues because we were specifically gay dads. And so I looked to see if there was a community we could join and become, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to be able to connect with other gay dads. And to my shock, there was nothing else out there. Um, but, you know, we had tried to adopt for, we've been trying to adopt for a couple of years, and we actually ha thought we had a baby boy who was six months old at the time, uh, and we met with his birth mom a few times over the course of several months, and then that didn't happen. And so we decided that we would try to create our family through surrogacy. And so we got news about Levi three days after we signed a contract with the surrogacy agency, and so we were not, while I had this concept for some kind of a gay dad community, it wasn't until several years later when, uh, uh, so we now, by the way, had twin girls through surrogacy, uh, Sadie and Ella, who are seven. It wasn't until all the kids were out of diapers and everyone was eating solid foods um, that I started to think, yeah, I wonder if this is, you know, if this is still needed. And I was shocked to find out that, sure enough, this, there was nothing going on. There was a burgeoning dad community at that time. But it was certainly, not that it was homophobic, because it wasn't at all, but it was very much hetero-focused. Um, and so I uh, said, let's just try what happens with Gays with Kids, and I launched it. And uh, then, you know, we started um, a Facebook page and group, and then we launched Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. And have been pleasantly, really pleasantly surprised just to see how right I was about, you know, the need for a community and, and resources to help gay men become dads and to share stories of what life is like once we are dads, et cetera. Yeah, that's that's amazing. You know, and, and you know, just, uh, you know, it was years, I, 20 years prior, longer actually, um, when I was going through, you know, being a gay dad and um, – just kind of watching it and, 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 and not being necessarily alone, but there's no one to really reach out to and find out is this normal or the questions that sometimes come up. And, you know, each time that, you know, you're um, met with someone, meet someone new, all the questions that kind of follow. And, and I'm, you know, fairly open about answering questions and stuff, but you just, it's nice to be able to have, you know, kind of your pack <laughs> to, 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 to go to. And, and I, you know, as, as kind of a fan of gays with kids watching the blogs and the Instagram and Facebook, it's, you know, just seeing many, many stories that, um, I can relate to, but at the same time, things that, um, you know, it's kind of out of my scope. Um, I think I emailed you about the, the transgender uh, couple. Yep. That, and, and, and that, could you tell a little bit about that one, about that couple? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Sure, sure. So to me, it's always, since I launched, it was always really important to me that anyone who identified as a gay man who 
was a dad or was interested in fatherhood felt that that person had come to the right place engaged with kids and I want and the way to do that is to tell as many stories as possible about not only our different journeys that we take and, and you know and Frankie your story was just Wonderful. It will remain uh, one of my favorite ones that we've ever told. But uh, it's just been important to me that we, you know, not only the different journeys, but the, the dads with different backgrounds, whether they became dads through heterosexual relationships or um, there are single gay men who became dads that way or a transgender dad or dads, and we should you know, numerous stories on them. I just, I was, it's always really important to me, you know, and that we're as diverse as possible. So dads of color and dads from all over the world and um, not only just, you know, the U.S. and Canada. And, and we're doing our best to, to share as many different stories as possible, not only about how people became dads, but, again, what life is like for them and for their families once they are dads. Yeah, and it's, it's beautiful for, you know, the younger generation coming up to be able to have this kind of at their fingertips to be able to not have one or two but uh you know i don't know how many articles have you guys done over the years of and just your instagram following of you know all these uh gay dads and families and it's just amazing to it's you you make it so normal which it is but you know when society and and people that aren't as familiar with it can come on and and look and just find out that these guys are just as boring and exciting and whatever (laughs) as the next person well it's funny that's so I call that the ripple effect, and so we've we've published over three thousand stories at this point, probably telling the stories of I don't know a thousand, twelve hundred to fifteen hundred, um, and then we've got a lot of dads who blogged for us multiple times, um, and we do have I don't know about one hundred eighty-five thousand followers across our social channels. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just really, you know, the ripple came back to the ripple effect. What, what was great, while I set out very much just to help gay men become dads and provide resources, let them know about the different paths of fatherhood we have, um, and then to help, you know, make sure they feel like they're in a community once they become dads and sort of issues that, and challenges that they might face that are unique to being a gay dad, the ripple effect that I've really enjoyed is, can Guys have told me, I became a dad because of you. You know, oh. you guys inspired me, the stories that you told. And, and stuff that still brings me to tears today, uh, in the first year, year and a half we started, I received two different Facebook messages, both from moms of teenage boys. One was 15 and one was 16. The sons, not the moms. Um, and <laughs> each of whom said to me along the lines of, Thank you so much. My son just come out to me and my husband, and uh, you showed us and you showed him what his life could look like, and we appreciate that so much. And it just, you know, that's stuff that really, you know, gays with kids has been a labor of love. So to get that kind of feedback is obviously, you know, very meaningful and important to me. Yeah, definitely. So you kind of touched on uh, providing some resources to gay dads. Can you kind of touch on, like, what you guys try to do for gay families and that type of thing? Sure. So the the first thing when I say research, really the number one question 
you know, most gay men have when they're just considering parenthood is what are the options? Mm -hmm. And so people don't even understand it. So, you know, there's foster care, foster to adopt, adoption, surrogacy. Some men become dads by, uh, you know, through uh, relatives, uh, children, others um, uh, who marry into or get into a relationship with that. So we sort of try to tell stories. So that, that's sort of the way most, much of our the content is driven around stories so that, that you can just learn what the experience has been like for so many others because while we can tell, you know, and we do, we say here's, if, it, if you're adoption, you know, here are the steps you need to take. If you're thinking surrogacy, here are the steps you need to take. But to me, much more valuable than that is just reading the different stories of dads who've done it before you and, you know, there's some common themes between all of them and frankly, you can certainly relate, which is, you just can't give up. No. Uh, it's gonna, gonna, it's gonna be a, a tough road. You know, none of us just. It's not like we uh, just went out drinking a couple. You know, had a few drinks and woke yeah. up and there we are with a kid. <laughs> this is all gonna be very. Well, very, speak for yourself. Well, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, many of us experience some kind of obstacle or loss on the on the road, and so I, I believe. Try. I think that's the biggest message we have is that you just gotta keep the keep the prize, keep the you know the aim on the prize, and and you'll get there. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and listen to some music. We'll be right back. So stick with us, Brian. We'll be right back with you. I'll do it. There's no other way, there's no other way All that you can do 
are back with Brian Rosenberg from Gays with Kids. Hi, Brian. Um, let's pick off where we left off. You're talking about resources. Sure. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, we sort of interrupted um, you. I'm sorry. No, I said in addition to the, you know, I talked about sort of making sure people understood the different paths of fatherhood they could they could uh, journey. We also, within the stories, of course, of telling that, we include the various resources that our dads use. So whether it's names of adoption agencies that are very LGBTQ friendly or surrogacy agencies and fertility clinics, et cetera, that stuff is all sort of incorporated. We also um, actually have a book, you know, uh, or I should say a PDF ebook um, on how to become you know, a gay dad, and we talk about the different paths of fatherhood and some of the top resources that you should know about. And if, for example, if you're looking for surrogacy, you know, Men Having Babies has a program by which they, they uh, provide some financial assistance, um, sort of a grant process. If for those of you, for those of your, you know, you who need it, um, there's a, there's a similar grant. Uh, um, option for those who are considering um, uh, adoption uh, called Help Us Adopt, and you know Help Us Adopt is is very LGBTQ friendly. Um, so those kinds of resources as well um, that we would we we provide uh, information on. Wow, that's an amazing <laughs> amazing amount of work. I was wondering, um, how much time does this take you? I, I looked at your uh, blog and it was just all of the stories and everything that, I mean, are you able to quit your day job now and do this? So I did things backwards, which is usually <laughs> my MO. I quit my job. Uh, we, we launched Gays with Kids, and then I quit my job. And my, I was a full-time, excuse me, my husband was a full-time stay-at-home dad, and I was a breadwinner. And uh, after a couple of years, I realized I really need to go back to work. So I got a full-time <laughs> job, um, and right now I'm working on transitioning Gays with Kids so that it's no longer solely a labor of love, but it's actually a viable business yes, that is right. self-sustaining. And I'm very happy to report that we've just started <laughs> selling some sponsorships, all of which are very strategic. We'll only work with brands that are authentic and you know relevant to our community uh, and ones that I know that our community are interested in and that, quite frankly, we can provide value to those brands. Um, and we have like one and a half full-time employees um, that I, I need to cover their salaries, and then uh, you know I do things as I can. Um, the nights, uh, taking breaks for the day, and then the weekends. Great! <laughs> wow, that's a lot. So, um, when you first started, was it difficult to find gay dads? Where did you? Uh... Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So when I first, and everything's done, honestly, we've grown organically. So when I first started, you know, I was writing, my husband wrote just sort of blog posts, like things that came to mind. I had a couple of friends who um, were gay dads and who were writers, and so I asked them to write. And then I did some research and found a couple of others, and, you know, a couple in particular have been blogging for us since we launched, you know, within the first two months. Um, and then I just did more research. At some point, I, I paid, you know, professional writers to do some featured stories. Um, I did two feature stories I'm very proud of. One uh, early on was about the process for an HIV-positive man to become 
a uh, biological dad, uh, and the other was on transgender, actually three, the other was on transgender dads, and sort of the process for transgender um, that man to become um, a biological parent. Uh, and then we did, we've done a couple on um, children of uh, gay dads, and just to get their insight and their opinions of what it was. These were all grown-up kids, obviously, that we talked to, to get their insight on what it was like. So, yeah, um, it, it's been a time of, it's, it is easily a full-time job, and I uh, we just do the best that we can, but um, there's still a lot more to write and a lot more stories we want to tell, so we just, we make it work. And you guys are doing uh, YouTube now, right? Yeah, so we've been doing YouTube actually for a while, and I've slowed that. That is one thing that has unfortunately slowed down. Okay. But um, you know, we've got over thirty thousand subscribers, and I don't know over a hundred videos um, that we put out on YouTube. Some of my favorite. I've created some playlists. Like, uh, you know, we got married. My husband and I got married at our twenty. What was the date of our twentieth anniversary? And that was actually five years ago this coming June. And so we got. And I just realized how. That that day for us was so incredibly powerful and meaningful, and a big part of that was because joining us were our little children, right. and so uh, we've invited other gay dads to share, you know, videos or photos, and we make them into videos of their weddings. Um, I, I totally like the. It's one thing to get. To, it's emotional enough to get married, but when you do so in front of your kids, it's yeah. just wow, crazy. So we've got several playlists like that that I'm really proud of. Um, and I, what I really love about the videos too is I think they've gone a long way towards helping, again, just normalize the gay dad family experience. Yeah, um, Kevin, who's uh, 19, um, we were <laughs> just talking. Um, uh, about just how how you know the the normalcy for a, a a gay male to to be exposed to something like that and it just be at his fingertips, where of course when we were growing up that that wasn't the norm, um, no, and, no, and no. you know and still within a lot of communities it's not necessary but it's just the access and then when you get on there and you find thousands and thousands of gay fathers um, out there or families um, it just you know just makes it all warm and fuzzy so you know kevin i mean yeah absolutely i mean we were talking earlier um kind of in our news section about kind of living in a bubble and how so many lgbt people grow up in in an environment in which uh, they can't really identify with people so do you have any like stories to share or anything like that about people who have kind of reached out to you and been like uh you've inspired me to be a dad or to come out or anything like that yeah, several. So, uh, but the first thing, I'll, you know, I want to go back to Frankie, what you said. So, I think you and I, I forget, but I'm pretty sure we're either the exact same age or there's a year yeah. apart from us. And uh, when I came out, I lived in Boston South End, which was the gay neighborhood. Um, and, you know, back in those days, I did actually know one gay dad, a um, couple that, uh, you know, became dads through surrogacy as gay. But back then, basically, you know, I'm going back to the late 90s, no one else, no one was considering this. First of all, everyone was dying of AIDS. I mean, I probably went to 30 funerals between the time I was 28 and 36. And I remember when I went to a funeral of a guy who was like 40 or 41 thinking, oh my God, look at how how old he was when he died. That's so great. You know, um, so fatherhood was the furthest thing from our minds mm-hmm. and so I was just taking I actually did it there's a video of me on uh, on our YouTube channel from South Beach where I, I just went and talked to like 
young guys, so young gay guys, anyone that I thought was, you know, definitely well under 30. And everyone, when I just ask them, you know, are they thinking about fatherhood? Everyone is thinking about fatherhood. They know, and this is, I'm so proud of this as a community. Like, they know that that's an option, and that at some point in their lives, they're going to want to consider it, uh, whether they become dads or not, you know, almost besides the point. The fact that they're even thinking about it, like, Frankie, that to me is a huge, huge step that we've taken so far from the 90s. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've gotten, I've gotten, uh, uh, you know, I've gotten uh, messages uh, on YouTube from guys, a couple of different guys who live in countries where it's not safe to be gay, and to let me know that they, uh, we've, we've inspired them, and that uh, they hope someday to be able to live their true lives, and to thank them just for letting them know what those that could look like. And then from uh, other guys that, you know, we interviewed um, a gentleman, he was 18 when he became a dad, and, uh, you know, then he was 19 when he came out, and he shared custody, and he actually reached out to us because he wanted to be able to share his story so that others, you know, teenagers would just feel more comfortable about their sexuality, and we've certainly had others who just said thank you so much for Again, showing me what life can be like, and that, as you can imagine, is all very, really touches my heart and uh, makes me feel especially proud of the work that we're doing. Well, you're doing an awesome work, um, and we're coming up to the top of the hour, and I want to thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts for coming yes, on. I mean, we could you. have spent, you know, yeah, a whole hour. We want to talk to you more. <laughs> we definitely <laughs> want to have you guys back um, to talk, but thank you so much for, for being here. Um, and you know, so so thank you, um, Brian Rosenberg from Gays with Kids. Um, additional thank you to all of our listeners and volunteers who make this possible. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Pressloff. Our executive producer is w- WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer for Blooming Out and WFHB. I'm Justin Robertson, and I'm Kevin Mosenzade, and this is Frankie Pressloff from our Blooming Blooming Out family, wishing you a good evening. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is bloomingout at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening.